You're listening to The Brook in Madison, Alabama. This morning we are beginning a brand new series called On Purpose. Um, Life is very short and we do want to live it well, but we also understand that the best way for that to happen is that we live it intentionally. We live it on purpose. Well, um, I don't assume it's national news, and so I'll just share with you, if you didn't know, yesterday was my birthday, and yeah, I appreciate that. So I'm 22 for the 22nd time, Um, but my birthday, August 6th of 1996, I remember very well. Um, I turned 24. It was 20 years ago. Um... I remember that my girlfriend, Morgan, took me to one of my favorite restaurants in Dallas. It's this place called The Butcher Shop, where you went in and you picked out your steak and then you grilled it. And I know that sounds really weird to some people, like, why would I can do that at home? It's different, I'm just telling you. Um, but so, <clears throat> I remember because we went there, but I also remember for another reason. I remember that day because I had a ring in my pocket. Um, and this ring cost me my life savings. And I mean, really, all of it, the whole thing. And uh, <clears throat> somewhere before the meal even started, I was hit with this wave of panic for several reasons. First of all, um, I had a very expensive ring just in my pocket. What kind of ignoramus does that? But then I began thinking, okay, wait a minute, I've reserved a church to get married, and it's like 360 days from now. Do I really want to be engaged for 11 months? That's that's pretty crazy. And then I started thinking, I'm in like a steak shop. Uh, Is this the story I want this girl to tell people? Oh, we were eating steaks, and he said, well, you marry me. I said, okay. Yeah, it all just began cycling like, I'm not prepared for this. I don't remember anything else from there other than I shut that plan down. Uh, It didn't happen. As you know, though, if you know me and my wife, obviously something happened because we're married now, have been for quite some time. Um, What did happen was December the 6th, four months from then, with a well-executed plan, I got a second chance, all right? This was a very important crossroad uh, in my life, significant time. I got a second chance at it. Let me tell you about another crossroad. February the 14th of 2009, okay? My wife and I had been here all weekend meeting with the pastor search team to talk about coming and me being the pastor here at the brook. And from Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, it was like one thing after the, the next, after the next, God was affirming, this is where I want you to come. These are the people that I want you, your life intertwined with. I'm going to allow you to fall in love with this city, all this great stuff. And so it was all great until they had like, I'm going to tell you, 
the way they treated us that weekend, it was all downhill from there. Because, like, they put us in the West End. Um, you know, we had a gift card to Connors for that night. So we're going. It's Valentine's Day. We're going to go eat at Connors. And I'm standing outside of Connors, and here comes again the wave of emotion over me. Because all of a sudden, something clicked in my head. Wait a minute. If God's calling me here to these people, to this city, I got to leave those people and that place and that city where I really, really love to be and love those people. And I'm going to put everything I own and my whole family in a big truck and holy cow, And all I can tell you is, I almost threw up right there in the canal in Bridge Street. And the rest of that evening was not what Valentine's Day ought to look like. I was hit with, this is going to require a whole new level of faith. Well, one month later, I stood right here on this platform and preached in this room for the very first time. Um, And I preached a sermon called a crossover moment, a crossover moment out of Numbers 13 and 14. And we talked about how the Israelites, God led them out of Egypt and they made it there to the edge of the promised land and the spies came back and the Israelites are consumed by fear and uncertainty and they begin to rebel against God and they miss their opportunity. And as you know, the Israelites wind up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years you know what it means to wander? It's one of those words, I mean, we use it, but do we really like understand what it means? Wander means to move without a sense of purpose. You know what happens when you move without a sense of purpose? If you even have it to begin with, you begin to lose something that is vital to, to your existence, and that's hope. When you move without purpose, you start to lose hope. But guess what? After those 40 years, Moses, the guy that brought them out of slavery, led them faithfully. Moses is gone. And God has raised up Joshua. In Joshua chapter 3, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, the Israelites get a second chance. A second chance. They face another crossover moment. And God says, cross the Jordan. I'm giving you Jericho. This is my promise. Here at the brook, we are approaching a crossover moment. We believe that the Lord is bringing us to a place of possibly stepping out in faith, possibly taking a risk for the sake of making an even greater impact for the kingdom of God. This morning, as we take another look at Joshua and the Israelites preparing to enter into the promised land, Um, I believe the Lord is going to encourage us and give us direction for our own crossover moments. So take a look with me in Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. They came to the Jordan, Joshua and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, 
the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you will set out from your place and follow it. Yet there will be a distance between you and the ark, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. So Joshua gets up, all the people are ready, and there's given some instructions. The ark and the priests are going to go ahead of you, and you're going to follow it. Be careful that you stay back and watch where the ark is going. Why? Because you have never gone this way before. You have not passed this way before. You've never been where it is that I'm leading you. You've never been where you're going. You have no idea what steps to take. Well, the same goes for us. This is, this is new territory for us. We have to follow the Lord. Why? God has given, God desires for us something better, something great. And here's the thing that you and I have got to understand because a lot of us, we, we're more adept, we're more, uh, I guess, warm and, and kindred with change. There are others of us that we don't like change so much. Great is great, all right? But great can be scary if great is the unknown. Great can be a scary thing if it's the unknown. Well, why is that? Well, because unknown equals uncertainty. And we like certainty. We like knowing uh, that every T is crossed, every I is dotted, that there's a plan in place. How am I going to know that I fulfilled this? We want to know. We don't like uncertainty. God says, follow closely behind me, but watch. You've never passed this way before. Verse 5, look at verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priest, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the ark and went before the people. I want you to pay attention to Joshua's instructions to the people. He says to them, Consecrate yourselves. Purify yourselves. Allow the Spirit of God to purge Anything and everything from your life that's unholy. Make holiness your top priority. This is what it means to consecrate yourselves. This is God's power working through our surrender. Understand, looking at what God, what Joshua was instructing the people here, understand that for us as well. What God is doing and is going to do in you is going to have an effect on what God does among us. Do you understand that? Anybody in here ever smashed their toe? So like two weeks ago, uh, I had this bike, all right, trying to get this bike into our car, put the kickstand up. I couldn't get it to fit, so I'm going to bring the bike back out of the car. Well, the kickstand apparently has some sort of power of its own, puts itself back down, and I don't see that. And so when I set the bike on the ground, the kickstand aimed itself. It did. It just got control, aimed itself straight at my middle toe. Pow! Repentance happened moments after this. (laughs) 
it still is killing me. That one middle toe, which is really ugly, by the way, affects everything. Like, I had a headache later, all right? Don't think that you can be part of the body and be apathetic toward what God desires to do and it not affect the whole body. What God is going to do and desires to do in you is going to have an effect on what he does among us. And Joshua says, every single one of you, purify yourselves before God. Because we're crossing this river one time. One time. Consecrate yourselves. God said, seek me today. For tomorrow, here's what I'm going to do. Seek me today. I'll lead you forward tomorrow. You know what? We don't like that. When, when we were gathered earlier this morning, our, our band and all the worship team down here, and we were praying, um, Helen prayed something. Um, she, she prayed... Um, Something to the effect of, Lord, we're here to seek your face, not your hand. Because what we want from God a lot of times is what we want him to give us, rather than just seeking him. And God is saying here, seek me today, I'll lead you forward tomorrow. How we usually respond to to that is, Lord, lead me, uh, provide for me, show me your will. I'll seek you later. Isaiah 55, verse 6, the prophet who was filled with the wisdom of God said, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Consecrate yourselves. Seek him. Moving forward, look with me in verse 10. And Joshua said, Here's how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail... Drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, Amorites, the Jebusites. Anybody with the the name Ite on the end of their name is dead meat. God's going to drive them out. He's going to move them out of your way. Okay? Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan will be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above will stand in one heap. Joshua says, here's how you're going to know That God is among you. And I want to stop right there and just kind of throw this question out to you for you to think about for a moment. Is there anything greater than for God to be among us? I mean, what if we just stopped right there? Because Joshua follows with, here's how you're going to know that God is among you and what he's going to do for you. But what if all we're looking for here is to know that God is among us? We will know that God is among us. How? 
Because he will do things in us and through us that we could never accomplish on our own. See, audacious faith is having a vision for our lives, a vision for our church that is beyond our resources, beyond our own capabilities. We will know that God is working among us and in us and through us because he will do things in us and through us that we can't accomplish on our own. God brings us to these crossover moments so that we might know him and we might make him known. He doesn't bring us to these places just so that it'll be a little bit of a hassle or so that everybody who hates change is going to get in a wad and disrupted by it or things like this. God brings us to these moments so that he might be glorified. Now, some of you may have been sitting here this whole time and going, so we're at a crossover moment. What are you talking about? Let's talk about that for a minute. For the last two and a half years, we have been praying and talking very seriously about Lord What do you want us to do with this place where we call home right now, the brook? We sit here on these 18 acres of land. Lord, what do you want us to do with this? We are seriously looking at the possibility of selling our land and our property. This is a huge potential crossover moment. Why? Why are we considering this monumental decision? Why are we considering this crossover moment? I want to talk about that for a few minutes this morning. Let me preface this by saying I'm not going to talk deeply about any of it because this Thursday night we're going to meet right here in this room and have a Q&A to go a little bit deeper with all of this. Um, We're hoping that our commercial real estate broker, Richard Crunkleton, will be here. If you meet Richard, you will love him. Um, This man is not just a successful real estate guy. He's a believer. He's a follower of Christ. But I want to talk for a few minutes about why are we even considering this. Okay? First of all, our location... Where we sit here in the city of Madison, the area of Huntsville, if, if anyone who just knows a little bit about the area looks at where we are on a map, it can appear um, logically, it can appear geographically, that we're in the ideal spot. But here's the thing. Strategically, we are not in the ideal spot. And there are multiple reasons for that. Let me explain a few of them. First of all, it has gone from being increasingly difficult to now becoming increasingly dangerous just to get in and out of our property. And I don't know if you have any idea about the plans that the state has for the highway that sits out here, but basically what's on the plans is for 72 right out here all the way down to Providence to at some point look like Memorial Parkway. It's to be a super highway. Have you driven on Memorial Parkway? 
crazy. It, it is becoming increasingly dangerous. About once a day, one of our staff members will almost get plowed into just trying to leave the place. Because apparently people coming out of Walmart, which this doesn't surprise me, um, don't understand that when you go through the thing like this, that means you're not supposed to turn left. Did you know that? When you go through the little thing that forces you this way, that means all you can do is go right. Well, that apparently is not logical. And so everybody tries to turn left. One of you today, when you're leaving here, you're going to almost get hit. It's becoming increasingly dangerous. We don't like that. We've entertained the idea of selling a portion of our land. Uh, but we also understand that if we sell a portion of our land, or if our neighbors sell a portion of their land, which, by the way, that's happening, and what we're looking at right now is with our neighbors in front of us and our neighbors beside of us, bringing our land together and selling a very, very big, attractive tract, okay? They're selling regardless of whether we're selling. And if they sell and we stay, we have no control over what winds up in front of us or beside us, okay? We have no idea. Um, there are multiple reasons why staying here is becoming less and less favorable. Another one is the fact that we are the epitome of what I would call a community church. And sitting out here on the highway um, doesn't make a lot of sense for us. A second reason... Um, why we are considering this is that we are still currently what I will call slaves to our debt. All right? Um, debt is our Pharaoh. Now, I'm not saying to you this morning that all debt is evil. I'm not here to be Dave Ramsey. Um, go cut up your credit cards and all that. If you do that, fantastic. But that's not what I'm saying to you this morning. That's a different sermon for a different day. But our debt, we are slaves to it mainly because it's empty. It's doing absolutely nothing for us. We are paying for land that we, at least at this juncture, and we honestly believe we will never probably use. Okay? And so, these are some negatives as to why we're considering this. But let me take a minute and talk about some positives. All right? Yes, we believe that this is not strategically the best place for us. Yes, we are still currently in debt for sitting here. But let me say the main reason that we are considering this is that we see this as an opportunity. We see this not as a, oh, we are running from Egypt, but we are moving to what God wants for us. All right? This will not only be an opportunity to possibly start fresh, to erase our current empty debt, um, but also to very purposefully and very strategically locate ourselves. And just as, if not more important, to build a facility uh, that's not only conducive to our ministry strategy, um, but that allows us room to grow into the future and expand our reach of ministry into our community. And again, we're going to talk more about this on Thursday night right here. Um, but we have the opportunity to possibly pay off our debt completely, buy land, 
And even if we go into debt again, it will be to actually build a facility where we are able to do what we believe God has called us to do. Um, we're not just trusting God to show us how or where or all that. We've, we've already been looking. Okay, We have been praying, we've been calling, we've been researching, we've been networking, we've been homeworking. Um, to, to look at it from the biblical standpoint, we've sent out spies. And they just keep coming back with good reports. Okay? And, and we don't care about the status or anything of where God wants to lead us. Um, we believe that if he leads us, where he leads us, provides for us, it's going to be good. As your pastors, elders, and staff have sought the Lord over the last two years on this, we truly are unified uh, in this belief that this is the time to cross over. But I want to say to you this morning, crossover moments require bold faith, audacious faith. Because see, audacious faith uh, doesn't just believe we can cross the river. Audacious faith actually steps into the water. It would be one thing to say, yeah, we believe God will provide us a way across the river. Well, you know what God said to them? I'm going to lead the priest right into the river. And as soon as all of their feet are in the water, then I'll stop things. And all the people crossed over. We've talked about this recently. We've got to move from being believers of what Jesus did. Remember, the demons believe, right? The demons know who Jesus is. But they don't follow him or submit to him. We don't want to just be believers. We want to be followers of Christ. Audacious faith is more than just believing we can cross the river. It is having the faith to get our feet wet. If you haven't read Mark Batterson's book, Circle Maker, I want to encourage you once again to do so. I want you to read with me something that Mark wrote in that book. Many people never see God part the Jordan River in their lives because their feet are firmly planted on dry ground. We're waiting for God to make a move while God is waiting for us to make a move. We say to God, why don't you part this river? And God says to us, why don't you get your feet wet? The Israelites got a second chance. And that second time... They got their feet wet. They stepped out in faith. They crossed over. And as you know, God gave them the city of Jericho. A thousand years later, in that same city of Jericho, Jesus is passing through. And as we wrap things up this morning, I want you to look with me at what happens. Matthew chapter 20. As Jesus passes through Jericho. Verse 29. It says, As they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they started crying out, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. They're screaming and yelling. The crowd rebukes them. Telling them to be silent. You guys shut up. Don't bug Jesus. 
Well, they cried out all the more, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. They just kept screaming out and stopping. Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Last year, we, we looked at this passage of Scripture in, in a series that we did, talking about um, crazy things that Jesus said. And I submitted to you then, and I'll submit to you again. This quite possibly, at least in human terms, um, it, it, it looks like it's possible for the Son of God to ask a dumb question. Because here's two men, blind from birth, screaming their lungs out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, all right, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, someone could have gone, well, duh. They want to see. They're blind, Jesus. Jesus doesn't ask them this question for his own education. Jesus doesn't ask them this question because he didn't know. Jesus knew full well what they wanted and what they needed. Jesus asked them because he wanted to see if they really meant it. You know why? Because to ask is to actually believe. When you stick your neck out there and you ask, you're doing it in the faith that you're going to receive what it is that you're asking for. To ask is to believe. This was a crossover moment for these men, right? Jesus, the Son of God, is passing by. They've heard all about Jesus. They get one shot And all the people who are around them are saying, you need to shut up and leave Jesus alone. You know what most of us would do when somebody says, hey, you need to shut up about that. Just be quiet. You're rocking the boat. Let Jesus pass on through town. That would just shut us down. Not these guys. No way, man. Jesus may never come by here again. I got one shot at this. They start screaming even louder. Crossover moments require audacious faith. Audacious faith, trust that God will do in and through us what we could never do on our own. Audacious faith doesn't just sit around hoping and wanting. You know what audacious faith does? It has the courage to start asking. It has the courage to start asking, making bold requests. Friends, as we close this morning, please hear this. Audacious faith is only found in a life that is consumed by prayer. That's it. It is only con- it's only going to be found in lives that are consumed by communing with the Lord. I want to ask you this morning, are you ready to get your feet wet? And don't answer that yet. Because here's the thing. Are we ready as a church to step out in faith? The only way that that answer can be yes, the only way that I can say I'm ready to get my feet wet, is if I am ready to become a person of prayer. If I'm ready to begin living my life in bold communion with the Son of God.
this morning, I'm, I'm speaking to you on behalf of your pastors and elders and your staff. We are asking you this morning to, to join us in very boldly and specifically asking the Lord some things. We are asking you to boldly and specifically join, join us in asking God to give us favor in selling this property. If that's what he desires us to do, that in selling it, we would not only be able to pay off our mortgage, but we would be able to purchase new land and begin building for the future. We, we are asking you to very boldly and specifically ask God to lead us to the exact location where he wants us to most effectively reach our community with the gospel for the kingdom of God. We are asking you to very boldly and specifically join us in consecrating our lives, making purity and holiness the top priority, that we may know God, that we might know that God is among us. See, none of this matters if we are not all drawn closer to the Lord and to one another through Him doing it. We're asking you this morning to boldly and specifically pray that God would unify our hearts and that the world will know that we belong to Him. For some of us, this is going to mean trusting uh, that the Lord has something even better and even greater than what we've already experienced. Uh, for some of us, uh, this may mean that we begin giving back to the Lord for the very first time. For some of us, this is going to mean that we start actually participating in serving, not only within the church, but outside. It's going to mean that some of us who have not understood up to this point that I am an effective, I am a called, commissioned part of the body of Christ, that that means something. Church family, God has something great, not just for down the road, but for right now. If all that happens through all of this is that we know he is among us, I'll take it. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to The Brook. If you'd like more information about our church or what it means to follow Christ, you can visit our website at thebrookchurch.com.